You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Coming up on the opening day special of Off Air with Joe. And Oral. We give our predictions for the season. And Dave Roberts gives his opening day position of where they're going to play and who is going to be there. Yeah, this is going to be the first time that he releases that. And then, yes, Mookie Betts is going to be a Dodger long-term. So we first recorded the first section. You're going to hear us not really reference it because it was recorded Tuesday. It all starts going down and coming out Wednesday morning. We record with Dave Roberts, and it almost is official. It's still almost official, but it looks like it's going to be a sure thing. All that more is coming up on this, the opening day special of Off Air. Today's podcast is brought to you by AMPM, QCell, Security Benefit, and Postmates. As a proud partner of the Dodgers, AMPM wants to remind you they're your one-stop shop for all your baseball snack cravings. Whether you're wanting a delicious Dodger dog or a rib sandwich, or maybe you just want to sneak in a fountain drink and a warm cookie, AMPM's got all your snacking bases covered. So you can pick up some nachos, you can listen to me and Oral talk with your favorite players and with Doc, and then it's almost like baseball is back, and it actually is back now. AMPM, too much good stuff. Harness unlimited energy from the sun through solar, a sustainable investment for energy independence. Curious to see if solar is worth it for you? Calculate your savings with QCells, the number one panel market share leader and official solar partner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Visit QCells at www.q-cells.us to learn more today. Getting so good at that. Hyperlink, Oral, I'm proud of you. Every winning season is built on a strong team, a team committed to executing a solid game plan and a security benefit. We want to help you and your advisor build your retirement game plan to help you stay committed during these uncertain times so that when it's time to execute, you know that you've got a solid team behind you. When it comes to retirement, losing is not an option. Talk to your financial advisor to see how you can plan for your retirement. Security Benefit is a proud sponsor of the Dodgers. You're still good at those. Thanks, man. Listen up, you guys. Need to be supporting your neighborhood spots right now? Order your takeout through Postmates Pickup because it's a great way to support your community. For a limited time, Postmates is giving L.A. listeners unlimited free delivery for three months when you sign up. To start your three months of free, free delivery, just download the Postmates app or sign up online to place your first order. Happen to be a big food guy myself, so I, I love that. Love the sounds of that from Postmates. All right, we've got the opening day special of Off Air. Hit it, Frankie. If you listen really closely in the background, you may be able to hear the sounds of the ballpark because it is Tuesday afternoon when we're recording this. Dodgers taking infield practice right now, getting ready to play the Angels in the final game of the exhibition tune-up, and we're doing the podcast socially distanced here in the booth. But we've been really socially distanced for the first 15 episodes of this. First, what is it? This is episode – we have Rick now in the in the booth with us. This is episode 16, first 15 you were in Vegas. I was in South Pasadena, but now here we are in our booth at Dodger Stadium. The magic of Wi-Fi, we were together, but now we are physically within six feet or so, seven feet. Yeah, and uh, boy, it feels good to be back, doesn't it? I know we've talked about it on the broadcast, but just to look out at this view, and it's weird. It's really weird not having fans here, but it's better than nothing at this point. We'll take any baseball we can get. Yeah, and, and you know what? The, the cardboard cutouts help the TV broadcast, but the weird thing for us is the back of the cardboard cutouts are white. <laughs> so we don't have just the backs blank. of anybody's head. We just yeah. have white. I don't know. Yeah. We maybe should go down there and write names on their backs or something. Or we could go and um, just peek at the front and then go around to the back and, and draw 
Are you a good drawer? Uh, no. Me but I could draw, probably draw backs of heads. That wouldn't be bad with hair. But I would like you to replicate the face on the back no, of the no, no, <laughs> That would be a good contest. They're all going to look the same. Um, so we've got you know the, the final exhibition game tonight, and I understand that if you're listening to this as it's coming out, it is opening day morning now, but uh, we're not going to be there opening day. Slightly tonight. disappointing. It's really disappointing. We wait all this time, and then it's great that it's on you know ESPN. What are you going to do? Because I'm going to studio to do pre and post game show. I'm going to watch it at home. I mean, there really isn't yeah. really isn't much of a choice. You know, in past years, if the Dodgers have been exclusive on opening day, we would come and just you you know you may be in studio, but I would come and watch the game in person, just take it in as a fan. But that's not really an option now. You can't be here unless you have to be here. So yeah, I'm going to be watching it at home, and then our first one will be Friday. And we're doing an hour and a half pregame show, and then the postgame show will probably be an hour there at studio, and I'll be down in El Segundo, and you'll be in South Pass. So yeah, I'll miss you. I'll miss you, too. We'll, we'll be, be together, together the next day. We will. And that's the only one out of the four in this series against the Giants that we're going to do together on Sportsnet LA. Uh, Thursday night's opening day game is ESPN. Friday we'll be together. Saturday is exclusively on Fox. I guess the one good thing there is that I still get to do that. I'm doing the game for Fox with A.J. Pruszynski. Sunday night is also exclusively ESPN. And then we'll be back for uh, a longer stretch starting next Tuesday. Dodgers Astros in Houston. Yeah, that is going to be interesting too because we will be in an empty Dodger stadium so doing weird. a road game via monitors. So weird. And we don't even really get the selection of what pictures we'll see. So we'll be you'll be trying to track the baseball to see if it's a fly ball or a home run. I'll be trying to track runners and breaks on balls and did they hit the cutoff properly and why was it play missed? So it'll be very interesting to analyze and to do play-by-play that day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so opening day, pitching matchup, Clayton Kershaw and Johnny Cueto. A couple guys that have had success on opening day have made many opening day starts. Kershaw, it'll be his ninth. He obviously missed last year because of an injury where you made the start. But Kershaw... In his eight opening day starts, is five and one with a one zero five. The lone loss was his last opening day start, that Joe Panic home run in 2018. One nothing, the Giants won that game. But Kershaw back where he belongs as the opening day starter. And I'm I'm looking forward to watching him pitch, of course. And I hope we have a a second version of what happened in 2013. I hope he has a shutout. I hope he hits a home run. And I hope the Dodgers don't tough. score after that. That part's going to be tough, hitting a home run with the DH. Well, that's right. You yeah, got me. Saw- <laughs> I'm gone and I'm yeah. in the past already. Uh, I get your point, though. You want a lo- You know that is the last complete game shutout on opening day in baseball, period? That's a, seven years. It shows you where the complete game has gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cueto, coming off Tommy John surgery. He, he came back towards the end of last season, nine games to just kind of ease his way back in. But he's somebody who made four opening day starts when he was in Cincinnati. Like Kershaw, really good numbers. He's 1-1, one one, a 0-6-4 on opening day. This is a guy that could shove. This is a guy that could send Dodger fans into a panic because you don't come out of a summer camp 2.0 and a spring training 1.0 and a large break and face anybody that looks like Johnny Cueto with his different deliveries, with his veteran presence, with his poise, and with the energy he's going to feel of pitching on opening day against the Dodgers and Kershaw. This is going to be a very interesting matchup. But if the Dodgers shove against Cueto, well, you might be able to shove the Giants right back down to the cellar. Word of the day for you, shove. What's that? Shove is the word of the day for you. Yeah, right so now. far. Yeah. I'm, you know, they're testing the uh, loud, the fan it? noise right now, and I have one ear listening to you and one ear listening to myself, and this is this is hard. I'm, I'm having, feel like something has been shoved into my ears. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're waving up at us. Some of the players are down there during BP saying... What are they saying? Turn it down, I think. Yeah, they want the crowd noise turned down. See if you guys can get a message passed to the uh, press box people to turn down the crowd noise. We would like that, too. I think that's Walker Buehler down in the field yelling up at us. Turn it down. Turn the crowd down. So we're going to go to the control room and make that happen. Anyways, uh, when you think of, you know, we've now seen the scrimmages, seen the few 
exhibition games. We've gotten a good look at what we figured was going to be a really good offensive team. So far, we've seen two games. They've scored what, 21 runs over those two games. When you think of the position players, I know in your mind, you try to kind of break them into two groups. How do you how do you see the two groups? Well, I see the the five guys that are probably going to play every day with is Betts and Bellinger and Turner and Seager and Muncie. Those guys seem like they're going to be the core guys for Dave Roberts. Will they get filtered in and out? But yeah, I think they're going to get the majority of the time and the majority of the bats. And as far as who's going to end up being best of those guys. I've got an opinion on all of them. I think Mookie might be the favorite. Bellinger might be the most explosive guy. Muncie might be the guy that sneaks up on you. Turner might be the steadiest. And I'll tell you, Kike Hernandez, or not Kike Hernandez, but Seeger might be the hottest going in and no hitting question. the ball hard. So no it'll be really interesting out of that group who ends up being the leader of the pack. And then what is what do you see with the other group? Those are guys who... Well, the other group are guys that are going to mix in, right? So they say they're going to split the catching duties between Barnes and Smith, and I don't think offense really matters between those two. What really matters is leading this pitching staff. And then, of course, you've got the underrated Chris Taylor. You've got the high expectations, high potential guy of Kiki Hernandez. And then you go to the streaky but best looking in camp, may it possibly other than Seeger and Jock Peterson. Pollock could end up surprising people. Beatty has going to be rock solid. And Rios could end up with a lot of power off the bench and they've made the announcement about Gavin Lux but you know what he could be a late push guy at the end of the season I don't think they've gotten the message to the control room yet to turn it down because here comes the crowd again come on I love that you guys are, are fired up you fake crowd noise out there but the players don't like it, and we can't hear ourselves think. I wonder if they're testing that app that you kind of suggested. I know you had a suggestion with MLB where fans could tap to say boo yeah. or make the cheering louder. Oh, there we go. Oh. It's gone now. Look at that. But yeah, we're going to have to look at details on that. There's uh, apparently some kind of app where you can contribute to the environment in the ballpark. voting on it almost. Yeah. Um, so that's position player breakdown. The rotation – not going to have David Price, as you figured you would prior to his opt-out, but been talking for years about the depth of this organization, and it's no different. There's still plenty of depth in that rotation, and there were some really good options to choose from when he needed to fill another spot when Price opted out. Yeah, you know, I think there's really going to be a need for the rotation to be deep. You don't know what's going to happen with the virus or with guys with their arms at the short camp, but, you know, you're going to have Gonsolin in May and maybe – uh, at the end, you might have Santana, but the five right now looks like it's going to be Stripling and Urias and Wood and Bueller and Kershaw, and that's a lot of depth. You know, in a 162-game season, maybe the Dodgers use 10 or 12 starters, but most of the guys that kind of fill in only get two or three starts max. So I think that this is enough depth for them in the rotation. I want to kind of take a trip around the National League West, and the way that we're going to do this is we're going to give one word – for each team. Okay. All right. And it wasn't like one word to describe it or one word that comes to mind. It, it could be one of those two things, but we left it open-ended. We left the press box last night and said, okay, just come up with one word for each team. So first, the Diamondbacks. Contender. I've got legit. So we there have we the, kind of the same idea. Yep. Even though well, the Dodgers made them look like a minor league team in the two exhibition games. Well, and, and the two starting pitchers are not going to make their club probably. Right. If they do, they're going to be last resort long men. So uh, we have to see when all of a sudden you put you know Bumgarner out there and th those kind of guys. Which they will. Bumgarner is going to start opening day. It's going to be weird seeing yeah. Bumgarner in a D-backs <laughs> uniform. <laughs> it will be. Uh, the Padres. Spoiler. Lightning. Lightning. Uh, yeah, lightning in a bottle kind of thing in a 60-game season. And lightning, when you think of the talent on that yeah. roster with a guy like Tatis, uh, Machado, you add in Tommy Pham to the equation. I, I put him as a spoiler just because can they hold it together as a young team. And I really think about their young starters. They're going to have to step up. And they could step up for a start or two against the Dodgers and spoil, but I'm not sure they can put 12 together. You know, four guys can put 10 of ten or 12 together. You know what they've got, though, is a potentially really good bullpen. Yes, they to do. To be able to help take some of the load off of that young staff. 
But And the key for their starters is if they get to the fifth or sixth inning and have a chance to win the game and turn it over to that bullpen, that could end up being a very scary team. I would ask you who you pick between Arizona and San Diego, but we're going to give our postseason picks in a bit. Maybe, maybe when we do that, that'll answer that question. The Rockies. Coors. I've got Rocky. <laughs> okay. So for me, I mean, you look back at the whole Nolan Arenado thing. He signs the extension, and he's happy to be there, and then suddenly he's asking to be traded if they're not in it to win it right now. And that seems like it was forever ago, but the problem is we haven't had any baseball to separate us from that. And just the whole mood around the Rockies seems not very good right now. You know, not going to have Ian Desmond and say what you will about how productive he's been the last few years, but yeah. that's an established major, major leaguer they're not going to have. You know, just cut ties with a couple of relievers that they had signed to be a big part of their future. It just doesn't seem like a good time in Colorado. So, Rocky. I think it's going to be a really extreme season. There's going to be extreme highs and extreme lows. I think we're going to see talented players that would pan out over 162-game season have terrible 60 games and, and really look bad. And I think we're going to see some no-names. But I think in Colorado, the problem is that Coors Field factor is going to really beat them up, I think, in a way that if they get one of those extreme home stands where their pitching staff gets beat up, how much time do you have to recover? Because they're playing just in the West now, and it is primarily pitchers' parks in the West, they're going to have one of the most drastic home road splits, maybe the most drastic home road split across the team in baseball history. Yeah, you're you know, probably you, right. You throw out the other extreme hitters' parks that are in other parts of the country. I know you're still going to go to Phoenix, and the ball really flies there. But the other places, you bring in the American League West, there are a couple, I guess, Texas, we'll see what the new ballpark is like. But Oakland is not a great hitters' park. You're bringing that into the equation. Seattle is more of a pitcher's park. We'll see the Texas park. You know, that uh, that is an interesting thing to me because I know they – wanted to get away from an offensive park mm-hmm. when they designed the new park so i'm expecting that yeah, i'm expecting that to be at least fair uh-huh um and then the only one we have left the giants basement okay it could have been yeah. rebuild could have been the word but that's going to be a tough year for them i think my word for the giants is new oh i try to put a positive spin on it yeah respecting the rival new manager yeah total other end of the spectrum from Bruce Bochy, the traditional old school manager. You've got Gabe Kapler coming in. Uh, especially to start the season with no Posey. He's, he won't play this year. He's right. opted out. His, he and his wife just adopted twins. Um, newborn twins. So he's opted out. Longoria is going to start the season on the shelf. Belt is going to start the season on the shelf. There's going to be a bunch of names that are brand new or that just barely were new last season and and not necessarily a situation yet where there are a bunch of brand new names that they're thrilled about seeing i think that they think that's coming within a year or two where there's going to be a bunch of guys that are new and they're fired up to see but a lot of newness and and yeah the newness may not lead to much excitement right now there's such an exponential factor to everything that's going to happen in these 60 games. You know, if a guy's out for three days, that's like the equivalent of eight games over the regular season. So there's some significant numbers and equations that we're going to be relating to throughout the year. Who's your uh, – let's skip right over the National League West. I think we agree the Dodgers are going to win the division. Did you want to give a word for the Dodgers? By the Mine way? was either going to be eighth for eighth division title okay. or champs. So How about scary? thinking about what this is. a good one after the last couple games. Uh, I think we agree that they are the favorite to win the West. Yep. Who is your Central Division champ? I'm going to go with a, a semi-long shot. or Cincinnati. Okay. With the Cincinnati with Castillo and Bauer and Gray and that rotation. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, Miley's a number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those pitchers last year figured out how to keep the ball in the ballpark in that tough Cincinnati ballpark. And since everybody's going for a launch angle and home runs, if they figure it out a little bit more and get their own offense, they have kind of a scary offense. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they could. And I think anybody can emerge out of the Central. Yes, that's the thing. Anybody, you got the 60-game season where anybody can emerge anywhere. And then especially in the Central, it is such a toss-up. 
I'm going to go with the Cubs. Okay. I think the Cubs are still probably the most talented team in the division. Uh-huh. Uh, just a little bit tainted lately, right? I mean, it, it, they win the title in 2016. Expectations go sky high. They haven't met them. Joe Madden's out. David Ross is in. But the, the really great players that were making them great in 15, 16, 17, for the most part, are still there. Mm-hmm. Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and you Darvish last year was maybe the best pitcher in baseball in yes. the second half. So uh, you still have John Lester, proven, I know veteran now, but a proven big game pitcher. Kyle Hendricks, really good. Mm-hmm. I still think that, especially to your point again, in a division that is anybody's for the taking, it's not crazy to think it could be the Cubs. How about in the East? The East, I've got the Nats. You just do. because of the Strasburg and Scherzer at the top, uh, I just think that, that that's a quality organization. They can't have they have to avoid a slow start like they did it you know when they won the world series they wouldn't have those games to come back but uh who do you got any i've got the braves okay repeating as division champs let's remember that the nationals won the world series last year but the braves won the division um nick markakis has opted out freddie freeman is going to be ready to go it sounds like but a really really difficult bout with covid uh, will be interesting to see how he is to open the season. But that's a super talented roster, some good young pitching as well. So I'm going to go with the Braves. How about two wild card teams? This was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of them on there. Uh, I'm going to go with the Brewers. Okay. With Christian Yelich, of course. But at the end, uh, this could end up being bullpen games. And if their starters can get deep, their bullpen is absolutely amazing there. So uh, And with Josh Hader at the end. It's going to be an interesting year for bullpen management with managers, too. You know, will we see closers more in tie games, you know, to get to the 10th? Will we see closers, uh, you know, even when you're down a run? Who knows? But uh, I think Milwaukee sneaks in there. And? Um, the Padres. I've got the Padres so you, as well. Yeah, you, do you really? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, I think the way you chose the division and your one-word uh, answer on them, they could be scary. Uh that 60-game season for a young team is not as long to concentrate, uh-huh. and I think they're going to be amped up. And they have always been the team over the last four years that we say, hey, they've made a big move. They're going to make a move. Maybe it's their time. But their young pitching is going to have to yeah. come. Their bullpen is scary. Their bullpen yeah. is really good. Yes. Yep. So I've got the Padres, and I have your Central Division champ, the Reds, as okay. the other wild card team. Right. A Padres-Reds wild card game. That seems fitting for this weird world we live in right now. Doesn't it? It does. And you know what? I mean, there might be somebody off the board this year with 60 games. This this could be really... Like way off the board like the Marlins? No, no, not that far <laughs> off the board. I don't know. Who would be as far off the board as you would go? The Giants? Mm, no. That, that'd be off the board too for me. Because... I'm not thinking of about somebody you'd project as a last place team, as somebody you'd project more as a, a third Middle of the pack, or the Mets or the Phillies. Yeah, like the Mets could for the Mets to win the East. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be that'd be interesting. We're not going to do the whole rundown in the American League, but I figure we give an American League champ. I did not overthink this one. I went with the Yankees. Yeah, me too. Okay, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> uh, for the MVP and the Cy Young predictions, we're going to give a Dodger, and then we're going to give a non-Dodger. All right? Who is your Dodger MVP? And we've not cross-checked these to see if we have um, repeats. We may. There was a category that made me pick this person, and it was a health category, a number of games that he plays every year category. And so I, I nosed out. There could be five or six guys on the Dodgers that win the MVP, but I nosed out everybody with Mookie because he's just played a minimum since 2015, I think like 130, 136 games. He played over, he's, he's averaging like 150-ish. So I think his ability, the focus that he brings to the game, the excitement of playing in L.A. and with new teammates, I think he that he's going to be locked and loaded. But there are, there are four or five other guys I could have picked. And yet we picked the same guy. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> oh, I've gotten a chance to see Mookie in person some over the last few years going to do a national games for Fox as people know there are a lot of Boston New York games on right. Fox and on national TV so we see a lot of them besides the obvious when you look at the batting line mm-hmm. there are so many other ways that he affects the game that require watching him play full games and more than one you know an extended stretch requires that to really gain an appreciation normally you say that about like under the radar utility guys you know you got to see them to appreciate them 
But to really, truly appreciate the greatness of Mookie Betts, you've got to be able to watch him for a while. There are so many other things besides just the hitting. The base running is otherworldly. The defense, amazing. Somebody, I think it was Dave O'Brien, the Red Sox TV guy, said that, and he couched it by saying, you know, what does my opinion mean? But I think Mookie Betts is the best defensive player I've watched in right field, and Dave's been doing this for a while. So there are so many different things that he brings to the game, and that's not even talking about the intangible things we've touched on a little bit in these exhibitions, how he makes everybody around him better. He does, and uh, he hasn't faced the best pitching in these exhibition games, but he has owned all the pitching, and what I've really noticed is he does not miss mistakes. So, How about that home run? Was that Monday night? Yeah, on a 3-1 pitch, you said before the pitch, this is going to be a scary one to throw, <laughs> and he got a center cut fastball, and it looked like a BP fastball and a BP swing. And and, and within this lineup, there's going to be no place to put him. You know, that he's going to be at the top, and it would be good if – for him to win an MVP would be good if the 8th and ninth hitter, that helps because there's no pitcher hitting, so the DH now kind of turns the lineup over and sets up RBIs for him a little bit better. Mookie Betts has scored more runs than any player in baseball since he debuted. I think he might lead the league in runs again. Yeah. This year, hitting leadoff with that lineup behind him. Who is your non-Dodger MVP? Juan Soto. Okay, I love that. I love I love the actions in the box. It was just a I love the way he approaches the game. I love all of his tools. He's got an attitude of a champion and an attitude of a guy who wants the spotlight, wants the moment. And so uh, yeah, I think he's he's going to be right up there. I'm going to go Cattell Marte. Another great one. Yeah, he you know he finished. He got some MVP MVP votes last year in terms of WAR, which is have uh, factored heavily into decisions these days. He was third last year. He was right there with Yelich and Bellinger and Rendon. It was Marte mm-hmm. right with that group. And you know from talking to people around Arizona and following it the way you do, they just keep talking about how he's getting somehow better and better and better. So I'm going to go Cattell Marte. Who's your Dodger, Cy Young? I think we may have a repeat here too. I'm going with Clayton Kershaw. Okay. Uh, and the only reason I've got him above Bueller is because uh, Bueller's a little bit behind and might give away one or two decisions because he doesn't go five innings here early. You know, if, if Bueller doesn't go five until his third start or his fourth start for some reason, uh, Clayton gets off to a hot start and gets out front. Um, I think he's going to win. I'm going to go Bueller, although your point is a good one about him maybe missing <laughs> out on some of the counting stats there early on. Who is your non-Dodger Cy Young? Jack Flaherty from St. Louis. It's a great choice. Did you, did you have the same one? No. So, okay. August and September last year, 12 starts, 7-2 and two with a .77 ERA. And uh, he looks like the real deal. You don't have those kind of streaks of hot starts and keep coming at you. And he's got some experience now under his belt. And he doesn't have to go 33 starts, 32 starts. You know, these 12 starts or so, he's going to be fresh. L.A. kid. Jack Flaherty. Um, you know, it's funny you bring up the two-month stretch there where he had a sub-1 ERA. We're going to get into that a little bit. The chances that somebody breaks Bob Gibson's ERA record of 112. Right. There you go. There's a 60-game stretch where a guy had one that was pretty much half of that. You said that was August and September. Jack Flaherty had a 0.77. Right. That's like half of Bob Gibson's 112, and it's in 60 games. It's all you got to do this year. It's going to be interesting. So, uh, my non-Dodger Cy Young, I touched on it earlier, but right there with Jack Flaherty over those final two months last year was you Darvish. Yes. And wow. I'm going to go you Darvish, leading the Cubs to the Central Division title. How do you, you know, Dodger fans are probably listening right now, rolling their eyes. You Darvish, how could he pick him? But I mean, we saw right. and they saw, right? Yes. When, when you Darvish is right. It's, he's impossible and to it hit. might not have been that he was giving away his pitches. It might have been they had him because they were cheating. Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, we know more. Think nah, of the psychological we? barrier there is of him thinking he's doing it. He's like, I'm not doing that. And then, well, why are they hitting you? Yeah. So, yeah. What is it, Oral, that's going to have to put this team over the top? Division titles at this point, I think everybody kind of agrees they're nice, but enough of those. What's it going to take to put them over the top to get the ring? I think everybody thinks and hopes that uh, Kershaw and Bueller are healthy and as they go into October, but I think a good number three, 
somebody that if one of them falters can pick up the series and really put them over the top. You know, they've there's been the the, the duo of uh, Kershaw and Greinke, and then you had Brett Anderson, and then you had Ryu be a number three. You had Maeda be a number three. Alex Wood is kind of filled in sometimes as a number three as they've gone through this run. I think an Alex Wood, but especially a Julio Urias, really needs to step up that they get a bona fide number three that acts like a two or even on certain nights can act like a one when we get to the playoffs. And and I'm projecting them to the playoffs, but for them to get through and push to the World Series and win the World Series, you can't do it with just two starters. For me, they need to maintain who they are as an offensive team when the calendar flips to October. Because year after year, We've seen the same thing, and that is they are dominant in the regular season offensively. Not quite the same once it gets to October. Different in 2017. Look, they did everything they could do in 2017, and we know what happened. But 18 and 19, they were really good in the regular season, and then they were not good in the postseason with runners in scoring position and with two strikes. And they improved greatly from 18 to 19 in the regular season in both those regards. But it again went away when the postseason got here. So can they maintain those level of at-bats, that connectedness throughout the lineup, the the clutch hitting that we see throughout the regular season, so many moments throughout the regular season that have just been missing when they've gotten to October lately? Can they maintain that? And does bring in a guy like Mookie Betts, who has been there before and experienced winning it. I know that the numbers for him weren't spectacular in the World Series, but still, can an addition of a guy like that help be what – puts them over the top in that regard um we're going to do a little rapid fire where the answer is going to be i guess this is our number rapid fire this okay. is we'll call this the rick krajewski section big numbers <laughs> guy so we're going to go through five different stat categories and you guys can all hold us to this we're going to give our predictions i guess they can hold us to all these predictions we're giving but we're going to give our predictions for first highest strikeout total well, the number that would be impressive to reach or pass would be 100. Uh, if the guys get 12 starts and average eight strikeouts, that's 96. I'm going to say, because of early workload being pushed down, uh, that nobody will get to 100. And I think the highest will be somewhere around 95. Okay. So I went 105, and the way I did my math was Garrett Cole last year averaged about 10 Ks per start. Guys should get roughly 12 starts. Right. And so I was thinking if You're he, if he maintained that, yeah. uh, because of what you said, the, the quick buildup here, mm-hmm. and maybe not going as deep into games as as usual in August um, when, they, when they start the season here, drop that number down a few from 10 per start and 105. I just thought of one th- other thing, though. They might go deeper in the games because these games are so much value. So it's, you, you push so your starter another inning. It, yeah. Yeah. So for our second question, what do you think the home run lead will be in MLB? What do you think the number will be? 21. That was my number, too. <laughs> 21. <laughs> Let it be done, then. 20 is an impressive number. 21 sounded good. What's the lowest ERA? We, we had this discussion a little bit. The record, the modern record, is Bob Gibson's 112 in 1968. Will that fall in a 60-game season? I actually went even above that. I went... 1.5. You probably went way a lower. 5 is going to win the ERA title. Yeah. yeah. I just because I just think it's hard to recover from a clunker and who's going to just go hot and be 12 in a row, 12 great starts in a row. Jack we'll see Flirty. somebody could. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Flaherty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I'm going to put it right around one and a half. I'm going to say 117. We're oh. going to be a story right until the end. <laughs> Very good. But Gibson maintains his title. What is the highest batting average? Do we have somebody hit 400? And if not, how close? 350. 364. So we got the same idea there. It's just too hard to hit for average these days. It's not prioritized enough. All right. And the last question. How many wins did the Dodgers have this year? 41. 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson. <laughs> um, again, though, watching them these last couple nights – Honestly, you you wouldn't be surprised to see him do something stupid, forty six and fourteen, something in that category. But you got to stay healthy, and 
healthy means different things in 2020 than it did any year before. If they ham and egg it, if the pitching covers the hitting on their off night and the hitting covers a down night for the pitching, they could do something stupid because both sides of the equation have tremendous potential. Dodgers have the best 60-game stretch in any season. Not not to start a season, but best 60-game stretch within a season in the last 120 years, the 53-7 and seven stretch a couple summers ago. <laughs> that would be stupid. Yes. <laughs> it, it's, that's one of those things looking back on, like, man, we knew when we were in it that we were seeing something special. Right. But looking back on it, when you see that number, it's like, what? It was 53-7? and seven? Yeah. That's... I, I'm just shaking my head here, looking out over the stadium, going, there could be a team that does that again. That would be crazy to watch. What is your, to finish this up, we've given many bold predictions, <laughs> one more bold prediction for the 2020 season. Well, I went with a humorous bold prediction that we've been tr- choosing Dodger Cy Youngs, other Cy Youngs. We've been choosing MVPs. I believe that the Dodgers will win and have tri-MVPs. Betts, Bellinger, and Seeger will win the National League MVP as one unit. They will yeah. all three get it. Like back in 1981 in the World Series right. for Jaeger, Guerrero, and Say, instead of it being in the World Series, they're going to have a tri-MVP in the regular, <laughs> the regular season. season. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to say a two-part of bold prediction. Number one, this season goes on uninterrupted through the World Series. Okay. Number two, the Dodgers win it. Oh, wow, I love it. Let's bring on their manager, Dave Roberts. What's up, sports fans? I'm Cooper Searles. And I'm Los Angeles Dodger pitcher Ross Stripling. I might be the seventh best starting pitcher on the squad, but i am definitely got the best podcast in the locker room. Yeah, I don't play professional baseball, but my motto is big swings only. That's why we have guests like Clayton Kershaw, CJ McCollum, and Cody Bellinger. So check out a new episode every Wednesday on Apple Pods, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you there, swingers. All right, so be sure to listen to the Big Swing Podcast with Ross Stripling. Have to get done with ours, of course. We're joined, as always, by the manager of the Dodgers, Dave Roberts, on this opening day special. And before we dive into our thoughts about the opener, what's the best thing you saw this week, Doc? Uh, the best thing I saw this week, so um, I, I know that fans know that we have these cardboard cutouts, and so we can't have fans, Dodger fans, at the stadium, but they can pay to have a picture or a cardboard cutout of them. So the best one I saw was Tommy Lasorda. So um, <laughs> just seeing the, the skipper um, in the dugout seats, he's on the visiting side right now, so I got to find a way to move him to the home side, but... I just think the cardboard cutouts is a fantastic idea, and I just love seeing Dodger fans at the stadium. Oral? Do you do you have a habit, Doc, after the national anthem to go through who you wave to? I think so. What it is is during batting practice, I, I'm kind of making my way around the dugout club first. Um, but now part of my routine is before games, I got to make sure I say hello to the guys in the booth. That's part of my routine. <laughs> I was setting you up, but I was thinking that, you know, it does bring some familiarity when you can look around at the cardboard cutouts, it's not the real people, but the people that you might normally see there and you can wave to the cutouts. No, I, I agree. And I'll tell you this is that where I sit in the dugout, there's a, there's some season ticket uh, holders that have been there for years and we forge a nice friendship. So I, I do miss seeing them. So hopefully they can uh, send their cutouts in and they can be right behind me and uh, I can say a quick hello. So my favorite thing, Joe, this week, of course, uh, is, Francisco Chico Herrera, Watch, watching him play left field has been absolutely amazing for the last week or so, and to have him on television, it's, it's been fun. And uh, I just think about not only watching him play and play well out there on defense, but I think about just all the people that vicariously can live through him and the dreams that are coming true because of, of him being on a big league field. I agree. So, and, and he was a former player, you know, amateur high school, but – Working in the clubhouse, he is an amazing guy. And and that, I'm sure he hasn't said it, but I'm sure it's like a dream come true. You know, he's playing for the Dodgers. And albeit, you know, inter-squad, but Dodger Stadium. And it's like he's not just shagging in batting practice. So it's been fun. Did you guys see the Fangraphs article that did a deep dive analytically to what would it, what would happen if, if he actually played left field every day for the Dodgers? So what that? was the result? 
the Dodgers, the projection systems would still have the Dodgers winning the division by a slight margin. <laughs> which he left every day. They, uh, Joe, what did they have him hitting? Like you they said, they had him. Like, so they made him like league average arm. They're like, look at the video. You know, the the tape don't lie. Uh, below average range because they said what thirty year old has great range. They made him as a hitter, like a rookie pitcher. And as a base runner, they said, we'll just make him average because it's not going to matter because he's never going to be on base. And you put together a war, and they called him the anti-Trout. He's like the negative war version of what Trout brings. And so if you had a player who was Mike Trout half the time and Chico the other half of the time, he would be replacement level. That's great. That's That's good. So, yeah, if you're, uh, if you're thinking about maybe playing Chico, go for it. What's your favorite thing, Joe? Well, my favorite thing is going to segue us into talking a little more about the actual team. We're recording this around lunchtime on Wednesday afternoon, and we are seeing that the Dodgers and Mookie Betts are in the final stages finalizing a long, long contract to keep him in Dodger blue. Doc? Um, you, you just uh, saw me smile, and uh, those rumors, uh, like we can't believe everything we read or see on Twitter or social media, but that is true. Um, we're trying to put the final touches. It's not done. Um, but, you know, for Mookie to want to entertain being here speaks a lot to the organization, um, you know, the people in the clubhouse. And um, obviously that's a big commitment on both sides, but he's a guy that as an organization, you can't find a better player guys. He understands his responsibility to the community. Um, He understands what it means to be a professional major league baseball player and how you go about your business and play the game. And honestly, to have him in a Dodger uniform, I've told you guys, it just looks right. And um, I hope we can finalize this. So, um, you know, he makes everybody around him better. If this is finalized, this is such a compliment to the organization because of the short-term amount of time that he's been with the organization. To you, Skip, a tip of the hat. To Andrew Friedman, to Stan Kasten, to everybody that's around him and his teammates for somebody to trust that much. And I and I believe, you know, the money is there, of course, and the length of the contract. But you got to think about where do you want to spend your life? And if Mookie decides with the Dodgers, that's just a fantastic tip of the cap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is that, you know, there's so many reasons why it's going to be different this year. Um, you know, obviously, but, you know, with Mookie being here, I, I just really wish our fans could see him play in person every single night. And now uh, hopefully we'll get that chance for the next, you know, many foreseeable years. <laughs> obviously the deal wouldn't have been made if the Dodgers didn't anticipate making a run at him long-term. You wouldn't trade for him if you didn't think you could sign him long-term. Was it a full court press right away? I mean, did, did you make it clear to him right away? We want to make this a long-term thing. Did it pause during the quarantine and pick back up lately? Uh, as best you can take us inside how this all went down. I think, you know, I can't speak for Andrew, but I guess I'm going to try. Uh, <laughs> when you, when you trade for a Mookie Betts and you have to give up something to get something, and so when you loot, trade uh, Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs, two guys that we really valued, and to have Mookie for a season, um, obviously is, is good, is great, but the goal was to ultimately try to extend them. And so to let the player see the culture, what it's like to be a Dodger, and hopefully entice them. Um, and so once we went in, once the pandemic kind of, hit and we were all quarantined and the economy and all this stuff, all these uncertainties, I think we started getting a little discouraged because we just don't know what the future looks like. Um, but Andrew and his agent just kind of picked up talks and um, I think Mookie wanted to make sure something got done uh, before the season started. So that was, so it wasn't a distraction for himself or the team. And so there's a lot of things that had to go through that, we had to go through, but I just applaud Andrew and, and, the, and Mark Walter and Stan like uh, Oral, what you said. Awesome. I think it's a, it's a sure thing that he's going to be your right fielder on opening night. He's going to be your leadoff hitter. Can you take us through your opening day lineup outside of uh, that leadoff spot? What follows it? Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I, I've been kind of thinking about the, uh, the lineup construction but I will say that I'll just give you who I is going to play the field. 
I expect Austin to be, and this is as it is right now, uh, but I've got Austin Barnes behind the plate, Max Muncy at first. I've got Kike at second base, Corey Seager at short, Justin Turner at third. I've got Jock playing left field. I've got Cody in center field, and I've got Mookie in right field. And I think the DH is going to be A.J. Pollock. And, and A.J. and Jock are sort of going to split some time playing left field and DH. It's interesting. You know, the only one that kind of surprises me is Austin behind the plate. And is there any reasons that you can give us there? Or is there, I know you're probably thinking about a split time there at catcher. Yeah, um, it's going to be, Will's going to catch three out of five, I think, out of the gate. And um, I just like Austin with Clayton. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's going to be, in, and I expect Austin to catch two of five and keep both guys fresh. And I just have utmost confidence in both those guys. That fooled me a little bit because Will was the one catching Clayton in the inter-squad game. So I'm like, okay, they're trying to get, but you're trying to build the relationship for later in the season compared to just opening day. That's right. That's right. And, and Clayton's side sessions, I've had, you know, Austin catch him, Will catch him and Clayton threw three inter-squad games and Will caught the middle one. And I wanted that to happen. Kershaw Cueto is the starting pitching matchup. How good is that? It's so good. And, you know, Clayton is Clayton, um, Dodgers, Giants, um, Cueto, you know, he's come back and he's, he's a grinder. He does that quirky delivery and tries to offset timing. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about Chris Taylor in there, but he's got this leg kick and it just doesn't work out with the leg kick because timing is, you know, that's one thing that Johnny Cueto does really well is disrupt timing. Do we know how different or similar he is to what he was before the Tommy John surgery? I know he pitched in eight games late last season and the Dodgers saw him, but how different is he than the Johnny Cueto we remember? I, I think his, his command still the same. Uh, his ability to um, manipulate the baseball still the same. What's changed is the velocity. I think that the last report I heard, he's 90-92, where a couple years ago it was 92-94. to So um, he's still a guy that is going to try to go as deep as he can. He can log innings. But outside of that, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what Gabe Kapler and the Giants do. I'm expecting kind of bullpen by committee the, the next three games after. Is there different strategies in the hitters' meetings, or is it more individual on when you face a guy like Cueto that has so many different deliveries and leg kicks? To, is there some tricks to facing a guy like that, maybe even what you would have done back in your day, Dave? I, I think for us it's more of trying to be aware that he disrupts timing, so to simplify things. Uh, and for every hitter, that's, that's different. And understand what his tendencies are, his hot zones, where he likes to throw the baseball, layered on with the hitter's potential weakness because now there's so much advance and so much scouting and everyone has uh, access to a lot of the same information so kind of by rule of thumb it's you look at a hitter's weaknesses what they don't do well and what a pitcher's strength is and the cat and mouse is are you are you the is a pitcher going to go to his strengths or attack a hitter's weakness so that's kind of the cat and mouse in the batter's box Doc, what are you most looking forward to with baseball, real baseball, actually being here Thursday night? I'm just looking forward to the adrenaline in the sense that every game matters. You know, and I, and I try to impress upon our players and coaches that how you do anything is how you do everything. So regardless if we're playing an inter-squad game, it matters. In some capacity, it matters. But it doesn't matter to the extent of a win and loss in the a win in the uh, in the win column or a loss so i'm looking forward to games mattering um and i'll tell you this is this season is going to be a blur so we we went through a lot to get to this point i'm encouraged that we're going to get through it but i'll tell you in no time we're going to be talking about finishing up this season and getting ready for the postseason every game you got to multiply by 2.7 in terms of its importance yeah, and it's kind of now, you know, you, we, I look at the NBA season, which is, I think, 82 games, and that's a short season, you know, normally. And this is under the 82-game uh, NBA season. So it's something that we haven't obviously been uh, been exposed to. But I do believe, guys, that the team that can uh, handle the attrition of potentially being affected by the virus and also an injury, a baseball-specific injury um, – really, really increases their chances. I've been reading some articles and guys are 
kind of projecting how managers will manage. And somebody was talking about maybe because of the shortened season and the value of each game or how you did the day before if you lost that you might be bringing your closer in in the tie game or even down by a run, managing it more like a playoff game. Or are you projecting yourself into those situations? Yeah, um, I, I certainly – see that that makes a lot of sense because as Joe alluded to, every game is 2.7 games. So um, when you do have a lead, when you feel that you have an offense like we have that if you're tied, you have a very good chance to win. So how do you uh, mitigate runs? And so I have no problem um, deploying high leverage relievers at any point in time. And you have a lot of them. You have a lot of high leverage guys, not just a lot of guys down in the bullpen, but guys that when they're right would be the kind of guys you would use in high leverage. Yeah, we, we do. And the, the one kind of unknown, I guess, is Pedro hasn't pitched in a game, but I but feels he's great, ready to go. Um, and I and I believe that uh, Joe Kelly, same thing. They're, they're healthy, which is most important. And veteran pitchers, I don't necessarily feel that they need to check a box, but, you know, it's still different when you're when your adrenaline is going and you haven't faced someone in another uniform. Um, but Blake Trinan, I have a lot of confidence in him as well. And Scott Alexander uh, hasn't seen an opponent, but his stuff is as good as I've ever seen it. And, and Kenley has uh, really had a good summer camp. Instead of a top four this week, we're going to share our favorite opening day memory. And I'm going to let you start, Doc. Uh, my favorite opening day memory was... 18 years ago, um, I was wearing a Dodger uniform. I was at Dodger Stadium, and Barry Bonds, Jeff Kent were in town. And it was LeVon Hernandez versus Kevin Brown. Um, that was my first opening day. I, I, so I had parts of three years prior, but this was my first opening day. So I think that you know any big league ball player, that first one is something sort of special, really special. And it didn't work out well for the Dodgers. I, I got a base hit my first at bat, so I got the goose egg. So I had an average that year uh, from the beginning, and that was fun. But Barry ended up hitting two homers, and we got routed. But just everything, knowing I was like, you know, you can be in the big leagues and say I'm a big leaguer, but when you're on that line, and I was on the third base line, and Jim Tracy was my manager, then you know. I'm a big leaguer, and so that's kind of something I'll always remember, guys. I'm right with you, Doc. My favorite opening day is 1984, and uh, we lost uh, to the to the Cardinals, and uh, it was amazing to be on that line. It's uh, Every national anthem that you're on that line is very special. If it's an all-star game, if it's a World Series or a playoff game, or if it's an opening day, the bunting out, the fans are going crazy. Uh, we lost, but and Fernando was on the mound, but I was on the roster, and it, you know I'd already been a September call up the year before, but to make the team out of spring training and be there at Dodger Stadium for opening day, uh, I'll never forget it. How many opening day starts did you make? Me, I didn't like opening day, so when asked if you wanted it, I always kind of turned it down. I think only that? about three or four, not Why many. That? Why didn't you like it? Uh, because it seemed like a lot of crazy things happen on opening day. Some shortstop that only supposed to hit five home runs for the year hits the game-winning home run. Or somebody does something. Joe Panic a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, and it feels like you know it's this bigger than one game, but it is just one game of one sixty-two. This year it'll be one of one <laughs> of sixty, so it'll be a little bit more special. But and 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 I the one I remember the the least and and I. I pitched opening Marlin, opening the Marlins, you know, inaugural season and Charlie Huff I'm facing and that butterfly wow. and I'm, I'm overthrowing my sinker and Charlie Huff is throwing that butterfly up there and killed us. I got killed. He killed us and he got a hit off of me. So I live that <laughs> to this day. The oldest guy that get a hit off me is Charlie Huff, a good friend wow. of mine. So funny. Good story. What about you, Joe? 2017 would be my first opening day at Dodger Stadium. Uh, so 16, Vin did opening day in San Diego, and then I took over day two. 2017 was my first year after Vin had retired. And not only was it my first game, but Lon Rosen set up just this beautiful ceremony. And you guys know how great Lon and the Dodgers are about making ceremonies special. Well, they had Vin uh, record a message on the video board where he said, 
you know, this is opening day for the players and some of them for the first time, but it's also opening day for the first time for a broadcaster. And join me in welcoming Joe Davis and basically tossed it to me and I had a microphone in the booth and then I addressed the crowd and it was like an out-of-body experience. And then I had to snap out of it, slap myself in the face and actually call the game, which was a, a blowout Dodger win. Dave, you know what the locker room is like, Dave. Before an opening day, you see the players mingling around. Some of them, you know, they're ready early, but they don't know what to do with themselves. And that's what it was like to watch Joe up there that opening day in the booth. I mean, he was so prepared and so on top of it. There must have been the last 40 minutes before he knew he was going to have to stand up in front of the Dodger Stadium crowd with a handheld mic. There must have been 40 minutes where he was just kind of just antsy and thinking about his posture and then he got up and got ready it was it was so it was just like a locker room i i love it that's that, those are great stories guys this is fun i'm sick of the off season though let's do this for real good luck thursday night good luck this first week and the next time we talk to you i think you're going to be in houston all right, boys, man, this has been great. And um, the storytelling, um, the conversations, it, it's been great. Now we have real baseball to look forward to. Love it. Good luck. Thanks, Skip. Let's go to the mailbag for this week. It comes from Jack Funamura, who was named after Jackie Robinson. Been a Dodger fan for 62 years. First of all, I'll ask the question, and then I'll give you the backstory to the question. Oral, who is your favorite umpire? Oh, wow. God rest his soul, Doug Harvey. His nickname was God. And uh, his very last game in the big leagues, he was one of the best umpires, if not the best umpire I've had. Uh, his very last game in the big leagues was the Houston Astrodome. It was the Dodgers against the Astros. And uh, he was behind the plate. And uh, he finished the game. I think the game was under two hours. He told everybody on both sides, swing the bat. Um, our pitcher did not listen to that and didn't throw the ball <laughs> I think it was Ishmael Valdez or someone like that and he, he threw too many strikes and he gave up a run we lost like one nothing or two nothing and everybody was mad at him like why he's calling the ball six inches inside and six inches outside a strike <laughs> so he finished the game he he chewed tobacco he took his tobacco out of his mouth threw it onto home plate splat and turned and walked away didn't say goodbye to anybody I ran into the umpire's room after and uh, went and saw him and congratulated him. And he signed his umpire's hat from that day and gave How it to cool. me. And to this day, it's in my office. Legendary stuff there. Throwing the tobacco down and marching out. I'm sure he thought yep. about that a hundred times. <laughs> Probably. So uh, Jack, or who submits this question, participated in a fantasy camp sponsored by the Dodgers and Frank Job in 1997. And one of his favorite memories... He was fielding ground balls at second and had a bad throw that hit Bruce Fremming in the ankle. Okay. And that evening in kangaroo court, Fremming got up and fined him for hitting him. You then stood up and said, I've wanted to do that for years, so I'm going to pay the fine for you, Jack. Do you remember that by chance? Oh, yeah, I'm sure I do. And, you know, um, Bruce was a really good friend. Uh, he actually witnessed one of my mom's hole-in-ones. The foursome was Bruce, myself, my dad, and my mom. And it was a windy day on Dodger Pines Golf Course in spring training. And uh, my mom was about to hit like a seven iron. And I said, Mom, with the wind, you need to hit a five. And so uh, she hits the five, and it goes in the hole. Wow. And Bruce was there. And then the other story about Bruce Froming was that uh, Alejandro Pena and he and I and Fernando were in a foursome and uh, he, Bruce's ball was in the water just barely in the water but there was a hill of the creek and Alejandro had to hold him to let him reach in with his club to get the ball out of the water and Alejandro didn't like a few calls he had made in spring training into the past and he let go and put him into the water Wow. <laughs> so he dropped Bruce into the water. And we're like, this Ow, you can't do that. Is it commonplace uh, playing golf with umpires? umpires into the water, but playing <laughs> golf with them? Uh, you know, because the umpires would play over there at Dodger Pines. And, you know, a few of the umpires sometimes would be on the putting green looking for somebody to play with. And Bruce, you know, and we're walking over there with a threesome or walking over with a twosome. It's like, yeah, come on, Bruce, come play with us. So huh. it's, it's not a problem. Easy question he still, for you. He still got the calls wrong. 
<laughs> didn't change that. <laughs> didn't Here's change an easy thing. one for you. What are you most looking forward to? Uh, baseball. Yeah. The value of the win and the loss. I think it's going to really change the way people watch the game, the way we broadcast the game, the way the players go about it. It's going to be as close to real, but it has a real meaning, which I think is really going to upgrade everything. I'm I'm going to go more specific. I'm most looking forward to game two where get, you, know, you and I get to actually do it. Yeah. It's such a bummer we don't get to do opening day. I, I can't wait to be sitting back there calling a real game with you. It's it's going to be fun, and uh, it, it's it's so special. You know, as much as the players have missed baseball, and we hear in the interviews, like with Clayton and different guys, that you know, I really miss my teammates. I miss playing. I miss Dodger Stadium. We miss broadcasting the same way, mm-hmm. no doubt, and we miss our teammates too. You know, obviously we love each other, but Alana and our producer yeah. Mike Levy, um, whole production crew is incredible. Rick Krajewski, our statistician, Boyd Robertson, who's the booth boss and makes the show run. We, yep. We're very lucky to have the team that we have, and it's not just you and I that are excited about seeing each other. It's being back with the whole group. It's going to be fun to be together, and it's going to be different to do For road sure. games with no game well, in front of us, so but weird. we're doing it from the monitor. It's going to be so weird. We'll talk about that next week because we'll have done it. When we record this next week, I guess we'll, would it be Wednesday afternoon? We'll have just done our first road game off monitor, so we can discuss how that how that uh, went. So that'll be next week. Dave Roberts will join us live from Houston. We're going to continue to do this throughout the season, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't believe we got baseball back. We got real baseball to talk about moving forward, no matter what. Baseball, no baseball. Love you, buddy. I love you too. 